0: Filled with the spirit of the past and alive with the realness of the present. I am ancient. I am new. I am Heritage India. Since it's Navratri Day, let us start with the invocation to the Goddess. So it says that the goddess, which is present everywhere in the form of Shakti. I do not want to translate this word as power or strength, because by Shakti, it is everything. Physical strength, intellectual prowess, and even emotional uh, solidness. So everywhere, she is present in the form of this Shakti. And this is an old verse, right? And we still believe that it is only us in the 21st century who have invented words like 8th March, International Women's Day, woman Empowerment, Feminism and whatnot. But just wait till you come to the end of this speech and tell me what your idea is about the ancient woman. Because most of us have a very wrong idea about how an ancient woman was treated in India. Now, by ancient woman, what I mean is the woman from Rugveda, because Rugveda is the most ancient literature available to us, right? And that is, without going into the controversy, we can safely say that it was composed from 3000 BC to. 2500 BC, which means whatever I say now is composed, is written at least 5,000 years ago. So just please bear this in mind that we are talking about a woman who existed and enjoyed her status as a woman 5,000 years ago. Okay. So let's start with that. But before that, we all know that before Rigveda or before the Vedic civilization in India, we had Indus Valley or Sindhu Sanskritis in a book. In fact, this year, it is the 100 years for completion of Harappa excavation. So it's a nice coincidence and why do I talk about Harappa? There, are no, there is no literature available. I mean, there are something written, but the script is yet to be deciphered. So we are completely uh, lacking in that matter. But in the excavations, we have found a lot of things. And out of that, one is, probably you will remember, In the school books also, we used to have it uh, that there is a statue, bronze statue of a woman figurine who is called Nartaki. Remember her? I mean, she is only 10.5 centimeters tall and now it is kept in the National Museum in Delhi. But have you looked at her carefully? She is wearing the pose in which she stands clearly shows that she is an artiki okay her left foot is on her, the back her left hand is on the back right foot is slightly bent in the knee and then put forward she has bangles all through her hand right from the wrist to even beyond elbow not only that she has a pendant which has three petals there is a necklace and a pendant with three petals. She has done a peculiar and very beautiful hairstyle. And most of all, forget about her appearance. What strikes me the most is the confidence, the self-esteem with which this Narthaki faces you. If this was the situation, if this was the role and position of women, in Sindhu Sanskriti, just imagine how it must have improved more and more in Rugvedic culture. So let's now come to Rhvedic culture. And I would like to say that though this nartaki is only 10.5 centimeters, maybe this much, she is taller than the tallest woman of 2020. Because it must not been it mustn't have been an easy job to stand with this self-confidence and courage 5,000 years ago. We will see how the RUGVEDA woman, the RUGVEDIC woman deals with this. Before that, I began my speech with this verse, Ya Devi Sarva Bhuteshu. Do you realize one thing? That it is only in our religion that we have female goddesses. No other religion has female goddess, you know. So, I mean, not in the mainstream. But if you look at our pantheon, pantheon is the list of all the gods and goddesses, you will see that even in Rigveda there are gods like Agni, Varula, Indra, Ashwinam, and there are goddesses like Aditi, Prutivi, Nadi, Usha, Raka, Kuhu, Siniwali. And I always feel, you know, that the very fact that they showed their respect for women by deifying them, itself gives a lot of credit to that society for their approach to look at the women. Don't you think so? For example, I feel that if Devi, Goddess, it's three... Right. For us, goddess, it's three, then three is equal to goddess. That's a philosophical uh, equation, I would say. And that stands true when you look at the Rugvedic woman. First of all, let me tell you one thing that in the Rugveda, they of course wanted sons. Okay, And all over the the text, there are poems which are called Sukta. Now, in these suktas, they have depicted the social life as it was there. There is complete transparency. There is complete genuineness. There is no artificial or fabricated literature. So whatever is seen there, we can take it at the part. I mean, we can accept it as it is. Nobody wrote, none of the rishis wrote anything to increase their TRP, right? So it was all, these rishis were people of wisdom and knowledge, of philosophy and religion, of culture and civilization, and of rites and rituals. So whatever they have reflected, whatever is reflected in the suttas is 100% true. In other words, whatever I'm going to say, is based only on the literary evidence. Unfortunately, we still don't have any concrete or archeological evidence for a Rugveda, for Rugvedic site. And therefore, literary evidence is the only evidence. So these people, Aryans, as they call themselves, Arya, when they were in India, of course, there were skirmishes and small fights and wars also. So they needed sons. And there is always a prayer for many sons. Bruhat vadema vidathe su may I have many brave sons, which is fine. I mean, that is the necessity of the time or necessity of the situation. But what is very important is... Oh, The birth of a girl child is also equally welcome. Nowhere do you see any reference that, oh my God, now that particular woman had a girl child. Now what shall we do? There is no sorrow. In fact, it is celebrated. You will be surprised. One father is described. He comes back from home and both his daughters sit on his lap and, you know, he is pampering them. Jami Swasara. I mean just imagine, see, Rugvedic society and our society, the basic feelings and emotions are the same, right? Or another example, or another text says in Rugveda, another Sukta says, Pita, They are describing some Rushi, and the first thing they say is Bhagvinam Pita. He is a father of many daughters. And of course, he has many sons too. But the daughters get the preference. Why this is important is I know that in Maharashtra, there are girls who were named as Nakoshi, the one who was not wanted. And unlike that, in Rugveda, the girls are always welcome. And I like that very much because if your birth is welcome, if you are welcome in the family, if you have a secured and cozy family around you, your entire life changes. So please remember, the Rugvedic daughter was always welcome in the family. Nobody during the times of Rugveda had to write a Marathi play. There is a Marathi play, Mulgi Zali Hope. And when, when we read that, we feel ashamed of ourselves that even at the end, fag end of 20th century, our society treated girls like this. And we know that Betty Bachao, Betty Padhao and all these abhiyan or projects are going on strongly now. In Rukveda, there, there was no need to start the project. The girls were already welcome. And what kind of work did they do as they grew up? What kind of work did they do? One word for a daughter is duhita. Okay, Duha is to milch the cows. Now, the most important job or domestic chore of these girls was milking of the cows. See, we have to remember that cattle was the wealth for them. And there used to be lots and lots of cows and other cattle, you know, other cattle in the sense, cows, which they will milk. And there is a reference in Rugveda to rivers flowing with curds and gruta. So just imagine how cows were important to them. So they would milk the cows. They would also bring water, drinking water from a river nearby. Remember, all ancient civilizations always flourished on the banks of rivers. And so there was always source of drinking water nearby. So there is a a description of young girls carrying udakumba on their head. That is water pots on their head. And that also they used to do. At the same time, they used to spin the thread and weave the cloths. There, is, there are so many references to weaving. You will not believe that, you know. There is a name called Siri, and she's a woman. Probably women were better weavers than men. For that matter, even in embroidery or stitching, it was the women who used to do that. The girls learned from their childhood. All these arts, so to say. I, I call them domestic arts, and they are important. Because that time, stitching of clothes was done only by these girls. Okay. And they were also educated. Now, this is very important. So the very fact that they were moving around in the society freely and they were going for guru or whatever was the method of education at that time tells you that the girls had a lot of freedom and were treated almost equally with the boys or with the men. Okay, I say almost equally because of course there will be some limitations. They are timid or they maybe, you know, because of their physique, they suffer sometimes and therefore they remained at the background at that time. But otherwise they were treated equally with the boys. Now just see, when I say, they got education. How do I know that? First of all, there are references. Even later on, later in the sense post-Vedic. Post-Vedic literature gives you, these are texts on grammar, and they tell you how words like acharya, feminine form, upadhyaya feminine form, are formed. Forget about the grammar behind it. What is very important is, there were female teachers, there were female Upadhyayas, instructors. And we are also going to talk about Gargi and Maitreyi, so you would realize that they were intelligent girls. So much so that in Rugveda, out of 10, 28 suktas, 21 are written by these women like Indrani, Apala, Vishwavara, Gosha. Yummy! There are many. So these 21 women are always they are called Rushis in Rugveda. They are treated equally at path with Vasishtha, Vishwamitra, and everyone else, which is very important. So just see now look at this Rugvedic small baby girl who is growing up and beyond adolescence, she has grown into. A young maiden. Before that, I want to say a little something about these goddesses. The first one is Aditi, right? Aditi, Diti is limitations or fetters. A Diti is who has no fetters, no limitations. She's completely free. I like the name itself. So she is completely free. And as you know very well, her sons are called Adityas. The sons of Aditi will be called Adityas. So she is also a mother goddess. Pruthivi earth, is also a mother goddess. Even we consider Prithvi as Prithvi Mata and all those. But in rigvedic times, there is a reference, you know, when during funeral process, the bones of a cremated man are put in a clay pot and buried in the ground. When that person is pouring some clay on that, he says, O Prithvi Matar, take him under your Sicha. Sicha is Achal or Padar, just as a mother takes the baby under her Achal. Now, what a beautiful simile. Right. So this idea that mothers are goddesses, whether you call her Ambabai or whether you call her Prithvi, they are always mothers. One more deity about which I must talk a little is Usha. Usha is Dawn. And why is Dawn the goddess? Why is something deified about her? Because these Aryans are to the north. And 5,000 years ago, just imagine how severe the winter must be. There was no El Nino or La Nina or anything. And it was severe winter. So every day when the morning, the dawn arose, it was always welcome. Because with the dawn comes not only light and heat, but also a ray of hope. And that was very important for these people. You know, all the Rushis, they vie with each other to describe her beauty. Because for them, Usha is an object of affection and love. She is a beautiful young maiden. Yuvati, this is how she is described. In fact, Niruturiva, like a Nartaki, like a dancer, she gets up in the sky. This is how she is described. I am ancient I am new. I am heritage India.